on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I joke that if I had $100 million in the bank, after a little bit of traveling, I'd come back and continue to do what I'm doing here today, right? My mission is to help people become a business owner and take life in their own hands. Our mission at the company at Franchise Playbook is to empower entrepreneurs to think bigger. And so the idea of that is if you own a franchise, buy that next truck or open that next location or hire that GM, invest more in marketing, think bigger. What is bigger? Does that mean maybe having a portfolio of franchise brands, whatever it is, my mission is to help people to think bigger. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. This morning, I've got Dan Claps here on the King stage. My brother, Dan, how we doing? Chaz, I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Dude, Monday morning, we were just talking about you were in Atlanta at a conference. I had a freaking conference here at my house with some of our mastermind members. We're both like steamrolling still into the next work week from the work week. But man, aren't we fired up this morning? Ready to roll, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And for me, it's it's nine o'clock here. It's eight o'clock your time, I believe. So yeah. Hey, that's all right. You got an extra hour. You got an extra, you know, ability yeah. to get the blood flowing a little bit longer, but that's all right. Dan, I want to know what kind of business that you got, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm a franchisor in the, in the franchise industry. The company that I own is called Franchise Playbook. It's actually on my best here. Love it. And we are an incubator of dynamic franchise brands. So we create, own, and operate franchise brands in the home services space. And so um, the first brand that we acquired somewhat recently is called Voda Cleaning and Restoration. We are a restoration franchise or so we help people that want to own their own business learn how to start and grow a restoration franchise before recording you were talking about having owned and owned some franchise units now in the in the food right. space yep. same thing here in in the cleaning and restoration space so we help people open their own restoration franchise and not the sexiest business i i assume people when they hear restoration doesn't get them so excited but i love the space because of the fact that it's a need not a want and it's uh it's a very financially lucrative business yeah, I was going to say, you want to talk about sexy. I mean, if someone's leaving their nine to five, because that's in essence, probably a lot of who you work with. And then on top of that, other business owners that want to expand their portfolio, it's going to be a like dollar sign, you know, like, does this equal what I need? And so that's what we're talking about when we talk sexy. It's not really necessarily the outward play of cleaning or restoring something. It's does this business make sense financially, which you said it's lucrative. That to me is sexy. Would you agree? <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's funny. Like I got into it. So I've been in franchising for about a decade and I sold my last business last year. And as I looked at what I wanted to do next, I fell in love with restoration and became a franchisor in the space. But funny story, I had a water damage issue at my house a couple of days ago. The guy came and we were just chatting. He said, what do you do for a living? I said, I own a restoration business. I said, why don't you help me? And I jokingly said, I, I don't know how. Like I'm not in the day to day. I don't, I don't clean 
carpets or restore. And that's, that's a great business or job for the technicians at our company to have, but that's not my skill set. And the people that buy Avona, they're not doing that either. They're running a business, usually executives, corporate backgrounds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, and so I guess for the listener, you know, you get to help people fast forward to working on the business or even maybe not even being ever in the business. And it's almost like the reverse of what a lot of people go through when they start a business is that they're in it. They're the technician and the owner and the investor. They wear all the hats and the marketing guy and the fill in the blank. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Well, I got to get into your story here a little bit because you've already shared that you're involved with several layers here. You got the incubation status. You got the franchisor status. You got all these things going on. You had some businesses before that you sold. Before we do that, though, I got to know, like, what's the burning desire in Dan? Like, you wake up every morning with a fresh, like, let's go. Here we are Monday morning, but why? What's your big picture? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely was, in a lot of ways, I believe, put on earth to help people become a business owner. Like, it's it's what I've done now for a decade. It's what I love to do. I joke that if I had $100 million in the bank, I would, after a little bit of traveling, I'd come back and continue to do what I'm doing here today, right? So- I, I'm very much, my mission is to help people become a business owner and, and take life in their own hands. Our, our mission at the company at Franchise Playbook is to empower entrepreneurs to think bigger, right? So the idea of that is, you know, if you own a franchise, buy that next truck or open that next location or hire that GM, invest more in marketing, you know, think bigger. What is what is bigger? Does that mean maybe having a portfolio of franchise brands or, you know, whatever it is, my, my mission is to help people to think bigger. And it's funny, as I, I have that happen in my own life, you know, with friends now, I seem to be the guy that's telling my friend how to think bigger, whether it's in their yeah. relationship or their life. So I, I love, I love that. And that's really what gets me going and building. I mean, not gonna, not gonna lie, I enjoy it to win and build. It's funny. We had a, a what's called a discovery day a couple of weeks ago where candidates can come to decide if this vote is the right fit for them to make the purchase and us to decide if they're the right fit. And I asked a lot of the guys, and gals in the room, what they were motivated by their why. And everyone talked about money. Frankly, they were like money. I'm sorry. I hate to say it, but it's money. And so you don't have to be ashamed of that, but let's dig into that more. As we went into it, we realized that everyone in that room, money was simply a scorecard. They all wanted to win. They wanted to be the best. They wanted to prove that they could do something. They wanted to think bigger. Right. And so I'm motivated by winning and, and thinking bigger. Yeah. Yeah, and all my years of sales and leading sales people, and of course, now helping entrepreneurs, it's the same thing. It's, you know, what's the why? And a lot of times it's money related. And here's what I found also, and this, this might relate to you helping people become business owners as well. Tell me if you agree with this. It's like, there's this warrior stage that I call it, and then a king stage. And the warrior is like, it's, got, it's about the money. And we both know that the money is attached to something else, but they don't know that yet. They're just like in the battle, trying to get the money, trying to survive, trying to like take care of the individual piece. It's almost a little bit selfish, but they kind of have to be. It's not until a little bit of a more mature perspective with what you're talking about. I want to be able to help others. I want to be able to give of my time, resources, energy, all those things that you kind of have a little bit more of a king mindset. And you're like, ah, okay, I see the bigger purpose here. The money is connected to time or travel or family or whatever the other thing is that you really wanted to do winning being you know like being the best like all those other those other things really great you know it's on on, i live in new york city Chaz, and i I, hopefully that sound isn't coming through someone's doing some construction out there can't hear it at all but i can see it. that's kind of (laughs) cool i don't know but uh, there you go no worries 
Okay, so so you're in it to win it, help other people become business owners. This is interesting because right before the recording, we were talking about kiddos. You don't have any kiddos yet, but I was telling you that it was my last day to send my kids to school and and we're going to be homeschooling here pretty soon. And, and you asked why. And it's like, well, because I want to help them become business owners. <laughs> and so I love how you said that it's your mission to help people become business owners because I almost feel like I'd be a failure as a serial entrepreneur and successful person if I didn't teach my kids about assets and business, which obviously business are assets, but the whole asset category for me is like multiple businesses, real estate. There's you know all kinds of things that can go in that category. But so I'm, I'm anxious for you to be able to, to start that journey. Let's let's go practical, okay? Tell me, tell us how you got into this world. Like, what were the businesses beforehand? How did how did franchise playbook start? Give us a little bit of the story. Yeah, sure. And it's funny. I agree. I'm building this business for my my kids that don't exist yet. You know, my future kids. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty close, man. This is my last startup, and we'll get into that in a second. Okay. But once that's done, I'm ready to 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 start that family. I got into business in college. I had a, a staffing and recruiting business. We staffed event ambassadors or brand ambassador promotional models for events, handing out t-shirts or materials for all kinds of different companies, liquor companies, soda companies, and, and all sorts. And so I started that in college and somehow just did okay at it. Like it was making me a, a decent amount of money at, at a young age. And so I did that from like 18, 19 years old to like early twenties. And I went to sell the business. I tried to sell it to someone. And I learned that I couldn't sell the business. It was a job, not a business. It was all me. I was all the customer's favorite. I was the teammate employee's favorite. And I didn't have an asset to, to sell. So I learned that lesson. It was a hard lesson to learn. Felt like I sacrificed a lot. And out of it, I didn't really make any crazy amount of money, but I did make some money. And so I wound that down. And my dad actually said something about franchises. They're all system, you know, franchises. And so I started looking at franchises to purchase because you know, I figured, hey, if I if I buy a franchise, I can learn all about running a franchise system, and then I can apply that to whatever I do next. And and so I was looking at franchises and fell in love with the process of exploring them. So instead of buying a franchise, you know, like a brick and mortar or a gym or something, I ended up being part of a franchise system called Murphy Business Financial, which is a business broker franchise. So it was a franchise to help you learn how to sell businesses and franchises. Yeah, right? yeah. And it's for everything. <laughs> so I, I joined them in, in 2014 and I was selling existing businesses. So you had edible arrangements. I was selling, yeah. you know, the Dunkin' Donuts that was up and running, the owner who wanted to sell that, I would sell that, or retro fitness or edible arrangements and things like that. I somehow became the franchise resale guy in New Jersey, where I'm originally from. And so I was doing that. And then people would apply for a Dunkin' resale. They, that one wouldn't end up being a fit. And I'd say, well, what about a new Duncan? And all of a sudden I realized that those people were great franchise buyers. So I was now helping people buy new franchises too. Yeah. Did that until about a year and a half later, I, I looked in the mirror and said, wait a minute, I'm kind of making the same mistake. I was making a great living, but if I wasn't on the phone at 8 a.m. till 8 p.m., if I went on vacation or stopped or God forbid got sick, that business wasn't going to continue, right? It was just right. me. Yeah. So in 2016, I decided that I was really pretty good at lead generation. And so my previous partner and I, we launched a lead gen company called Career Transition Leads. And that ended up from 2016 to May of last year, I built that company to have over 100 employees and contractors to multi-million in revenue. You're generating leads for franchise ors and franchise consultants. I built that up. And then Frankly, it was it was running on its own. I, I definitely achieved that original goal of, of something running on its own. 
Yeah. I was fortunate to be able to sell that business to private equity last year. So that's kind of the genesis, sold that and make this story short. I'll never forget this. The, the happiest day of my life was, was the day I got the wire. It was a Friday afternoon. I got that wire. It was amazing. Yeah. The saddest day of my life was the next morning. Yeah. And what I mean what by that is I lost my purpose. Yeah. What so not? took a couple of weeks off, probably like you, I, I don't know how to sit still. Yeah. And so launched franchise play, but probably like a couple of weeks after I was done with my, my contract with the previous business. Yeah. This that's a, uh, it, it's an inspiring story because I think that, you know, you gave some really, really key indicators there of things that you did that you shouldn't have done. And you even did them repeatedly <laughs> before you learned your lesson which I love yeah, yeah. and I want to dive into maybe some of those here in a second, but I just appreciate the vulnerability there. It's like, man, in, in such a short story, you talked about multiple beating your head against the wall moments, but yet one of those things at the end where you got that uh, incredible moment of the wire and so true about the next morning. I, I, I was already following your story going, oh man, I, I can only imagine the emptiness, right? And it's not necessarily that you found your identity in that business specifically. I think that there's a key point here for the listener and I'd love to hear your opinion. It's not necessarily that you identified with that business as the owner and then what, what that was gone, then I'm now I'm empty. And you had to like find a new identity. It was more so of a like, well, just what am I aiming towards now? My definite aim or as Thinking Grow Rich calls it, my definiteness of purpose. I just had to, you just had to realign that with the next thing. Would you agree? Or is it something more than that? Well, well, there's a couple of things. I definitely, in my previous business, my net, my self-worth was attached to the business. When it performed, I felt good. When it didn't, I didn't feel good. When a customer was unhappy, I felt really bad, which is good, but also not. Yeah. And so when I sold that business, I learned a lesson, which was, and Jamie Dynan, the CEO of Chase said this, not me, but he's, he, at one time he got, he got fired from a job early in his career. And he's obviously a very successful person now, but he said that he wasn't upset because he had this realization that his job or his business was his net worth, not his self-worth. Yeah. And so when I sold that business, I did lose a lot of my identity, but I've actually learned from that, that I don't want that again. I don't want my business to be my baby. I don't think you should feel that way. It's a great part of your business. I don't call my team, my family anymore. I call them my team. We're a high performing sports team because your family, you can't leave. And family sometimes are dysfunctional. Sports teams... <laughs> We're all care about each other. We love each other. But if you don't perform and you know, you're going to be moved to a different team. So I, right. I like to, I like to not attach so much personal emotion to a business anymore. And so I learned from that and that was really a very healthy experience. And then also, I think one of the things I did right is I remember my dad saying like, what are you going to buy? Like you're going to buy an apartment and what do you, you know, I, I, I did okay. But I, I actually said like, this money doesn't exist. This is capital. And so every dollar I got from my exit went right into Franchise Playbook, which I definitely think in the long run, although scary, I'll admit right now, scary can be, you know, scary at times, I think is the right way. And last thing I'll say on that is like, whatever you do, if you start a business, you're a sociopath and you're not scared. Like you have to be a little scared. I tell you when they're buying franchises, if you're not nervous, like you're weird, right? Yeah. But, <laughs> you know, in a perfect scenario, you're nervous about 10% of the day. So I'd rather live my life for the 90% of the thrill of doing what I want to do versus That's that right. 10% of, yeah, sometimes I wake up, I'm scared, it goes away, you know, so it's it's about a sacrifice, I guess. Yeah. That's cool. You you mentioned that uh, you didn't want the business specifically to be the identity, which totally aligns with with how I was setting you up there. So I just appreciate not only just the 
ability for you to share that kind of like those the, those inner thoughts, you know, of like what it looked like in that moment to give that away. I experienced something very similar, but I'll, I'll share quickly that my identity later I found out was just that I'm a builder, right? And so it wasn't necessarily associated to this particular business or that particular industry because I've been in multiple businesses in multiple industries, investor, operator, you know, real estate, business. And then even more so, I'm a builder in my family. I'm a builder in my marriage. Like, I'm just a builder. That's my identity. So that's never going away. I'm going to build whatever's in front of me because whether it's an actual business or my family, I need to go after it with like this obsession and this like vigor for life that we both totally recognize that was in our business. It's just like, oh, I get to apply this to everything because this is who I am. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Good stuff, man. Okay. So I want to know of a good decision that you made, Dan. You've made obviously some good ones. But what was that one thing practically looking back maybe years ago, maybe even recently, where a lot of the success that you've had maybe stems from that one individual decision? I would say modeling the masters. I've always thought like if someone's further along than me and I also like vibe with them, I think they're cool. We get along, we can be friends. That's a great friend to have. And so I've always kind of had these people in my life like a mentor. So I, I would say the best decision I've ever made was being intentional about getting a mentor, sure. mentors come and they go. The relationship sometimes serves its course. If you want to have a mentor, you got to give. You can't just take. So like in, in, a, in my scenarios, it's always been, hey, like mentor me, but I'll make you money kind of thing. Now I'm past that at this stage, but I'll always have mentors, man. I'll be 70. I'll have a, I'll have a mentor who's 90 or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or just further along in whatever area. I totally agree. Yeah. I love what you said as far as being able to give. Tell us about that maybe first mentor scenario. Did did how did that look? Did you request a lunch? Like give us super practical story time. Yeah. My first mentor, you know, there's a window in that time between businesses in my early 20s where I had a job for like six months or something, right? A sales job. And yeah, I remember like just excelling in that sales job and seeing the CEO and being like, ah, oh, I'm gonna talk to that guy. And I just made sure I was the top sales guy. And usually the CEO of a sales company will we'll hang out with the top sales guy. Right. So that became a mentor. He, he taught me a lot of things to not do also. I think he's very smart, but at that time made some mistakes. So I learned from him. And then, so that was just, again, he made money off me, gave me yeah. mentorship. That company, I ended up having this other business in California for a little bit that a guy that was my boss there and I started. And again, he was further along than me, but I made him money. So he became a mentor. My previous business partner, same thing further along than me, gave me a lot of education, made him money. And I felt like, you know, there's that exchange of, of doing something. So if you're in a position where you can get a mentor where like they invest in your business or they do something where they can earn off you, then you don't have to feel bad about asking, you know, questions. I will say like, as I got older, that mentorship's a little bit harder because you lose that kind of like young. Now I feel like, not to sound arrogant, but I feel like a threat now more than like, sure. like I'm a threat or something. Cause Sure. I don't get the same feeling or, or maybe I'm just not as open to it. You know, I'm not in the same place as I was. I have a mentor now that he's done what I want to do. He's built a very successful platform and sold it for, you know, well, just for clarity, I'm not building franchise playbook to sell. I told you yeah, um, the franchise playbook set up to have multiple brands and, and really be a generational business. But anyway, this person's taught me a lot and I don't know, we just, we help each other now just because we're friends. We've become friends. Yeah. I think to answer your question, it's a one-sided relationship until it's not. So if you want a mentor, they don't decide to be your mentor. You decide. 
<laughs> so like right. keep sending them books and things and hey check out this article and just keep going after them and i think Chaz, it's a numbers game too yeah like reach out to 20 people and one of them will eventually because they have to be in the right place in the right time and That's in right. their life to want to mentor you and, and etc yeah i think everything that you just shared is spot on to to add value i want to i want to make one little plug here because you set it up so perfectly i appreciate this but you're right. At some point in success, what we find is that maybe it's not someone so far down the road where we need to like ask questions. It's more of a peer environment, which is why Gavin the Kings exists on the peer-to-peer mastermind. It's like, I want to get around a guy who's doing 30 million or 300 million, who has a similar mindset, and I want to just watch him navigate his problems. I don't really have questions. Maybe sometimes I do. But I want to just hear his problems and I want to share mine. And we kind of just lob up scenarios to each other. You know what I mean? Because that in itself is the definition of a mastermind. It's not like a coaching program. It's not a like a trip per se, although those things are cool. It's like, no, I want to see how Dan thinks about this. Hey, what do you think about this employee situation? What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about this? And, uh, and those are questions, but it's more so of a, like a mindset transfer. And so I love getting into those rooms, even outside of my own rooms that I'm creating. And so that's what I'm hearing you say is like, at some point, it's like, it's got to be mutually exchanging because I also bring value, right? <laughs> hey, Chaz Wolf here. As many of you know, I have been on an absolute mission to help entrepreneurs from all across the country in many different industries, level up their game and grow their business and intentionally connect with other entrepreneurs. We do that obviously through the podcast, but we also have a peer-to-peer mastermind group specifically for seven to nine-figure business owners. We are bringing some of the best and most successful entrepreneurs and minds together in a regular and super intentional way to not only grow our network, but to be able to leverage. And at a certain point in business, success becomes about leverage, leveraging time, leveraging resources, leveraging key relationships. This is exactly what we're doing inside of the peer-to-peer mastermind group called Gathering the Kings, specifically for seven to nine-figure business owners. So if that's you, if you're ready to level up your seven to nine-figure business even to the next level and get around other big hitters just like you, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com, fill out a short application, and uh, it'll come to an application uh, call with me, and I want to chat with you to see if it might be a good fit. Talk soon. And they're learning from you too. I mean, see, I'm always going to make the decision that is the hardest because it's like, who you become in, in going down the journey. Like if, if someone's listening to this and they said, oh man, I want to own a restoration business and it's, and they, and they pulled the trigger and they went through it and they go through some tough times too. Who you become is really the, the greatest part about entrepreneurship. That's right. And like, I know for me, like when I sold my previous business, there was an opportunity to stay on and be an employee of that business. Very cushy, very, very good opportunity. And turning that down was not easy. And then what followed was not easy. I went through a pretty tough time, frankly, after selling to get to here a year later, then I'm sure I'll go through more tough times, but like who I'm becoming and going down that journey means something. And so you're right. The mentor, well, here's the other thing. If you decide to take the easier path, you won't get that better mentor. The better mentor is going to say, wow, I respect you. You went down that path. That's a cool path. I believed in that. Like for me with franchise playbook, what we're building, people believe in it. If you want to have a mentor, then just like building a business, you have to have a really clear vision and get that mentor to believe in it so that they're motivated to want to help you get to that, that goal. Yeah. Love it, dude. Stamp. <laughs> all right. Well, let's flip the coin. Dan, tell me about a bad choice, something that you did that we can all learn from, a little bit of a uh, gut-wrenching moment that you had. 
Yeah. Yeah. Worst thing I've ever done in my life. I don't take like, I think it's a two way street. So it's not just, it's not my fault, but in my previous business, there was, you know, some tough negotiations. There was one time where, you know, those negotiations went too personal and and too emotional. And I feel like both parties paid for it for a long time, not just financially. And like, so it's interesting if I, and if I'm ever, 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 ever in an exchange where it could go one of two ways, I will always do anything possible to not go like the legal or like fighting way. Yeah. So like if, if you're in a situation where, you know, you have to negotiate something, it's always going to be better to negotiate like at the table. Cause like, I remember like when I finally, when everything was all said and done between like that negotiation, I remember being like, God, we, we could have got to the same places like at the table. Like, so the same way, like when people get divorced or something unfortunate like that, yep. like yep. if it goes the legal route, you sp- the only person who wins is the lawyers. Right. So the, the one mistake that I would say I made is I'm pretty good at negotiating and keeping my cool. And so I wish that I had been able to do that then. And by the other person had been able to as well. Cause I think it, it, you know, that, that would be my number one thing. And I think it just, it made my life harder for, for no reason. Although, although I don't know, because it might've taken the burning of that like relationship to push Right. Out, outward, maybe I would have. St- I, I don't know. It, it feels like a mistake. Maybe it wasn't. Another mistake yeah. I made is if you're gonna, if you, if you think about all the business, like I do, highly recommend a franchise. And that's not a like a, a plug for me. I, I've probably wasted you know a million dollars if you added it all up and lost revenue or mistake spending too much somewhere. So, you know, I've always been pretty aggressive with an ability to spend on a business and and, and risk. I think if you're getting into a franchise, there's ways to do it without risking as much. Yeah. You know, a franchise, you could, you could, you know, risk significantly less than starting your own business. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's literally the exact reason why at 24 years old, I left a already six figure job, you know, not college educated, was crushing it in a sales and sales leadership role. And, and why would I leave all that? Well, because it made me feel better to know that like there were some things already figured out and I was just going to have to come in and add a little bit of juice in the sales and marketing spot. But a lot of that, the operation stuff had already been figured out and I could just plug and play. And of course, you still got to figure things out. Like you still own a business or you still have to develop a team or whatever, but you're right. There's a lot of, a lot of systems in place depending upon the brand. And, and that's exactly where you come in. <laughs> so love all that. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I joke around. I'm jealous of the franchisees at at Voda because how much they have. Like, if I if I had all that when I started out, I'd be tempted because you know we're we're getting a lot of younger, really cool. Like, we're getting all kinds of franchisees, but like, I, I'm really excited about some of these like 20, 22, 24 year old guys that are like you. You know, like you were at that age. Like they they just they want to own a business. They're driven. They've got some cash. I'm blown away by some of these kids. At 20 years old, I have, we have a kid in our process right now. He's got 150,000 to invest. I don't know how, wow. I think he made it like in crypto or something Wow. or YouTube or something cool, <laughs> but uh, you know, so driven, so focused and like, yeah, you know, so we're really enjoying like mentoring those, those younger franchisees, but I'm jealous of them for the amount of support they get at such a you know young age. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty cool, man. Okay. So I want to hear about your decision-making process. We talked good and bad decision. Something comes across your desk today. Do you have like a magic you know, formula or a four-step process of do I do it? Do I not? Like, how do you determine how to make good decisions today? Mm. 
Yeah, that's a good question. Love to hear your answer on that too. First thing I say is, do I have to make a decision? That's a good question. As an entrepreneur, like we, we move fast. I've taught myself to slow down. And basically, if I don't have to make a decision, I'm not making it. I have friends talking to him yesterday. I said, you don't have to make a decision here. So just let it, let it go in the back of your mind. A month from now, you'll have more clarity. If you don't have to make a decision, then yeah. don't make it. So that's number one. And then number two is which decision will be the right one 20 years from now, not tomorrow. Yeah. And then the third, I think would be, I use an exercise and I use it with my team. If you had a gun to your head. So if you had a gun to your head, you had to decide what would you decide? Usually that decision in our intuition is the right one. That's right. You could also flip a coin. And if the coin lands on the time on the thing you like, if you don't feel good about where it landed, usually you want the other option. Uh-huh. That's right. So yeah. gun, gun to your head. That would be my big one. Yeah. That's pretty, it makes it pretty clear. That first one, what I'm, uh, what I want to make a distinction for on the listener is that you didn't say procrastinate. You didn't say keep an open loop. You didn't say, you know, push it to the back burner. You said, give yourself some space, give yourself the ability. If you have the time to think through it a little bit more, don't always make a quick decision unless it needs to be a quick decision. I'm hearing you say, I know how to make quick decisions. I make a lot of quick decisions, but if it's a weighty decision and I can have a little bit more time, I'm going to slow down and use the time. Is that what I heard you say on that first one? Yeah, people will push you to make a decision based on their time frame and their needs, That's not right. yours. That's right. So when making a decision, if you don't, and, and, and listen, there are times that you have to make a decision quick. Like I'll give you an example. If I'm working with someone who wants to buy a Voda and they can't make up their mind, there's a level of, for me, like, hey, if you can't make a decision, we don't want you as a franchisee, quite frankly. Like, and there's a level also of respect, right? Like, here's an example. This weekend, I have plans. If, if I, I, I want to make plans with my friend or family member, and I don't make a decision, it's respect that I make a decision. I don't have to make a decision for four more days, but out of respect to them, yeah, I need to make a decision because it's they're affecting them making plans. So, you know, you can't just like drag out all the decisions, but if you That's can, right. then let time pass because it does help. Yeah, I don't procrastinate making a decision either. Yeah. Yeah, no, that was a really good word picture there. I think that, that that was a huge. Love the gun to the head example. I think it what it does is it forces us to go, okay, well, if I had to do it like right now, right now, <laughs> what's that yeah. gut telling you to do? Because you're like, you're right. It is right most of the time. That's what you're saying. Yeah. All right, I want to ask you a couple speed round questions here. If you and like, you obviously can have multiple layers here in this, but this might make it easier, harder. I don't know. One KPI. And all the businesses and all the things that you're touching, obviously you get this one restoration, but you're kind of a, get these other layers. What would be the one thing that you would track if you can only pick one? Only one. Only one. If I only could track one, I would have to say, it sounds funny, but I would say the, the satisfaction of my executive teams, to each one of them. If I, well, I guess that's not one, but if I could have the one KPI of the four people that run the company, Right. It would be that because if they're if they're happy, they're in their respective seats, then the business will run without me. And yeah. so it'd be like they're sad. How are you feeling about your role? Yeah. And if that answer is a yes, I'm feeling great, then I would feel good. Yeah. I love that. It it would be interesting, you know, to take this conversation further and how how do you how do you play this out? How do you actually track that? Well, but what I'm hearing you say is that they're just your number one customer and you're trying to make your customer experience so good that that they want to continue doing what they're doing, which obviously that's exactly what you want because you want the company to run without you, right? 
Yeah, I mean, just to like, like to give you an example, my leadership team, I joke around that if you get hired in the leadership team, it's like the Navy SEALs. And what I mean by that is like, think about the Navy SEALs. If the Navy SEALs go into combat, first of all, if you and I were the Navy SEALs and we go to combat, I know that you got my back. You got in the Navy SEALs, right? There's, I don't even have to ask. I just know. No joker. <laughs> you got me, right? Yeah. Right. Number two is we don't like just lose Navy SEALs. Like it's a big deal when a SEAL gets killed in combat. Right. And so I look at that with my team. Like if we lost a member of the leadership team, like they quit or left or something, I would look at it like they, like I, like I let someone die. Like that's what did I do wrong to right. lose someone? And I tell my team that too, like I would be devastated if someone ever left without any warning. Like that's like the Cardinals. I think it's wrong of them. And I think it's bad that it happened to me. Like we should be able to have enough conversations yeah. And just to share on a point there, like, I mean, the kind of conversation where it's like, if you were my boss, like Chaz, listen, I'm, I'm starting to have the desire to look elsewhere for jobs. I'm not threatening you. This is just, let's talk about my career and, and having the ability to kind of take myself out of like the business and to put myself in their shoes and be able to walk, work, maybe work through that. Because as long as you're not going to the, your, your leader, like, to leverage them, but it's an honest conversation. Hey, I'm getting offers that are worth more, or, you know, my wife's telling me I should be making more. Let's talk through that. Right. And so my team, like them being happy and staying is probably the most important KPI I could, could think of. Yeah. it's awesome. Okay. What book resource recommendation would you have for anybody trying to grow their business? Traction. Podcast. Traction. Okay. Yeah. Great book. Gather the Kings podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything, anything that you've got, but traction, what's your takeaway from that? And why would you recommend it? Oh yeah. Traction is the Bible to business. I read traction like once a year and listen to it. It's yeah. all about how to run a business on the right KPIs and systems. Before you read traction, you should read the E-Myth Revisited by Michael Gerber. Yeah. Good book. Yep. Those Both two books are... to me are everything. Yes. I agree with you. And it's so funny too. Just this weekend, we were doing some strategic planning. EOS style. And the book traction was in my own leadership team was referenced as the business Bible. So there you go. <laughs> We're on the same page. Um, I got a question for you about intentionality. You said you're, you're building this business for a family that you don't even have yet. And that's, that's really hard to do, or, you know, maybe even believe because gosh, there's guys out here that have families and, and it's tough for them to make that connection. Here's where I'm going with this question. I'm a firm believer that there is no balance in life, that it's obsession, work-life obsession. And it's the same burning desire we talked about earlier that, that made me successful in business that's going to make me successful in my marriage or in, in you know, parenting with my children. And so my question for you is, you have a different perspective than already having a family, having this business and family to kind of have to do both. You get to go all in on the business, but you're planning to go all in on your family. What are some of the thoughts that you have as a person that wants to have a legacy business to be able to go into both family and business and obsess over both at the same time. What was, what does that mean to you in your position? Yeah. I mean, like for whatever reason, I'm being very vulnerable on the show or open, but like your skill, I guess, but like, you know, give you an example, curl my girlfriend of, of three years. Like, you know, we've had conversations around, like I actually have things to work on before we could have kids in the sense that I'm obsessed with this business so much so that I wouldn't want to have a kid right now because I've, until I, or maybe it would just happen naturally, but like, I have to get out of this pushing the boulder up the, the rock stage. And then it starts to get easier. And I've seen that every business I had the first two or three years was really hard. And then it, every time, like almost like the three-year anniversary, you're like, huh, 
things seem to be kind of working a little bit easier. And so, yeah. And I tell people that that buy a franchise, they say, look, you worked your ass off for someone else. Don't buy a franchise and then take off. Work as hard as you were, if not more, for two years. Work for you for two years, like you worked for John, the boss you hate. And then you could take off. It's knowing that life comes in seasons. But I look at like with Coral, like she, she's my family and us going through this together is the first step, right? Of like, when I say we don't see each other, it's like crazy. Like she's a nurse, she's working when I'm working or yep. off when I'm working, I'm off when she's working. I was just at a trade show. I get home last night. She left at five for work. I mean, you know, like how it is. Oh, like. yeah. And, and so I think it's like, it's knowing like why I'm not in Atlanta for fun. Right. I'm not flying around on weekends for fun. I'm not doing any of this for like fun. I mean, I enjoy it, but it's knowing that, hey, we're on this path for a reason. This is the goal. She's in on it. She's like, yep. hey, I get it. Like, I support this. And we both know that this isn't forever. Um, yeah. But I will say that when it does come time to have a family, I'll have to work on not being obsessed all the time with the business. And like yeah. my, my business partner, co-founder of the business and our COO, he does an amazing job. I'm, I'm always impressed by how committed he is. He is to our business, but also like takes time to, to shut off, be with his family, his kids. Um, yeah. So it'll be, you know, I think it'll be a work in progress. Yeah. No, I, I love the honesty there of the work in progress. And you're hundred percent right. You said so many powerful things that I have to just do a quick recap. Number one, you said, be on the same page, know where you're going. You and Coral right now know like, Hey, this is where we're going. And we've come into an agreement that for a season, a period of time, whatever that looks like, you said kind of two or three years as you're building, that could be that could that could be any period of time where you come into an agreement and you understand that there's going to be limitations to the relationship because of her job, you building, travel, whatever the circumstances are. But you just came into an agreement based on where you want to go, and then you're honoring the agreement. Like it's pretty simple. I, I can think of many moments where Julie and I have done this exact same thing, where it's like, okay, well, I can like we just built a beautiful house on some acreage, and it was like a dream come true, right? But we had wanted to do it years ago. And we had, we had purchased the land. We were ready to go. We had made the plans. and it, But then it like kind of stifled. We had the money. And I was like, hey, you know what? Actually, what I really think we should do based on where we want to go is we should go buy this apartment complex. <laughs> and she's like, wait, wait a second. What? What are you talking about? Let me, hear, bro, let me break it down. Here's da, 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 da. And, and actually, what this does is it produces enough income to pay for the house. And she's like, Oh, so what actually, so we increased her hours as a dental hygienist at that time, even though we had just had our second kid, did all these extra things that we weren't really planning on doing, but we realigned to the goal and we're like, oh, we see it now. Boom, 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 spent all the money, you know, and things have worked out. It just took a little longer, but it worked out better in the long run based on where we wanted to go. And we just came into an agreement on that. So, dude, you just, you nailed that question. (laughs) Thank you. The time's going to pass anyway. Time's going to pass anyway. Just do it right. Yeah, like if your plan is to do, I know that's easier said than done, but like, I, dude, you know what I learned? Like, I'm 30, I'm about to be 31, and I feel 21. And I'm sure I don't know how old you are, but like, I learned like when I'm 50, I'm going to feel young. It's like, that's how, like, we never feel old, right? And so yeah. it's always going to feel like, oh, I can't wait for X. So it's like, if it's an extra year in the scheme of your life, it doesn't matter. And so do the thing that's a little harder because the time's going to pass anyway. Yeah. Yeah, you said it earlier. Make the decision that affects 20 years from now, not today. Yeah. That's really hard to do. But when you can do that repeatedly, actually, not just the one time, but make multi-decades decisions back to back to back to back, that's when things start really rolling. But they don't start rolling today. They don't start rolling next week. So it feels like things aren't rolling. But man, when you can have that vision and, and see how things are stacking, even though 
in the now, it doesn't feel like it. They can compound pretty quickly. I got one last question here for you. This might sound like a little bit of an odd question because you just said you're 31. Just, you know, to answer your question, I'm 36. So I feel not 36 also. But the question is this. If you could reach back into time and talk to the younger Dan, whisper in his ear, what would you say? Well, I'd say trust yourself. Trust yourself that, you know, if you feel like you have something special to give, let that drive you more. So I would have trusted myself more and not let other people make me feel like I was arrogant to believe in some grander vision. And then I would say, and I'm working on this one now, like don't care so much what other people think. Yeah. Yeah. I think those are huge. Do you think that if the younger Dan knew those things that you'd be in a different spot today, or would it be the same with a different mindset? What do you think the difference would be? I don't know. You know, it's like you almost had to go through the things you went through to to understand it. So even if you knew it, like, you know, I knew like things about like saving money young and people say, I'll save young and and here's all the things that will happen. But like, you still kind of have to usually go through not doing that and then say, at least maybe, maybe I have to learn the hard way. My dad used to say that, like, you know, maybe you just have to learn the hard way, but I, I don't know if, if I trusted myself more then did I act, maybe, maybe I didn't have what it took then anyway. So maybe I shouldn't have trusted myself so much. Maybe <laughs> I needed, needed to learn more. So now it's yeah. like, trust yourself, but, and you yeah. know, if, you know, if you're listening to this, if you know, like you're at that point where you really do feel like, you know, yeah. you know what you're doing, like then, then getting into business for yourself, it's, it's the right time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great way to kind of segue and, and kind of ask more information about how we can get in touch with you and, and if they're looking to add a franchise or that type of a thing, but you're right. <clears throat> knowing, knowing when to make a move doesn't mean necessarily that you have everything ready to make the move, but you can, you can feel that little bit of time and you're like, okay, you got to take a leap of faith, which is, you know, yeah. believing in yourself or that trustworthiness. So I love all of that. So Dan, how can we find you? How can the listener connect with you? Number one, if they happen to be listening to the show and they're not a business owner yet, and they want to buy a franchise, or if they're already a business owner and they want to expand their portfolio, maybe you can help them. How can they find you? Yeah, sure. Um, well, yeah, if you're interested in the vote, I'll tell you in one minute or 10 seconds why. Yeah. It's restoration, the need, not a want. Insurance pays it. The $2,700 average ticket. What is the business? If your basement flooded right now, we come in a truck, we put a hose in there, we suck the water out into the truck, we put some air dry movers for three days, like a fan, we dry out the house, we leave. That's what we do. We get $2,700 to do. It's very profitable. And my company helps you with lead gen. We have a call center. We answer the phones. We book the jobs. We have a staffing agency. We do your bookkeeping. We do like almost everything so you can focus on the business. To get in touch with me, and yeah, it doesn't have to be voted, just helping people learn about business in general. I enjoy my LinkedIn is Daniel Claps. I think you'll see me right away. And then our website is www.myvotafranchise.com. Love it. Love it. We'll put all that in the show notes as well. But dude. You have, uh, you've given some value here today and hopefully that uh, you walk away from this conversation with, with a new, a new, maybe even perspective, like you said, maybe a new vulnerability. I don't know (laughs) based on what you were sharing there, but it's been incredible getting to know you. I can't wait to see even where our relationship goes. Uh, This is what, this is what big players do. We just create relationships and we see where things go. So I just want to encourage the listeners to continue to do that same thing that you and I do just like this, hopping on shows or meeting people, shaking hands, creating value for people. So Blessings to you, Dan, your your business and all your franchisees that you're helping in 2023. Thanks for being here, man. Thanks, Chaz. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. 
More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together 1000 Kings specifically who are grateful, but not done. We're intentionally assembling Kings who fight tooth and nail for their business, family and communities. And here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas, that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy. So if that relates and, and resonates with you, and you know that you need people around you, sharp, qualified, other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.